Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome to the show. Hey. Hello there. Bill, welcome to the show. Hi. So it's been a while, I know, since we've had you on. How are you doing? Doing all right. That's good. That's good to hear. I know you're in a bit of a move right now and dealing with all of that, so we wish you the best of luck on there. Got a good show coming up for you this week. We're going to be talking about remote work. Are we going back to the office? Are we doing something in between? Our Tech Wednesday content for this week has to do with the Optimus robot from Tesla. New idea from Elon Musk, so we're going to be going into that and looking at some of the detail of what robotics is going to become and kind of where we're headed with all that. So, with no further ado, what do we have in the news? Well, apparently, a woman cloned her pet after it died, but it's not a copycat. Yeah, I always find it interesting. The things that we're looking at in the news now, even 10 years ago, very much would have been science fiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one, more like 20. I mean, we had the sheep, Dolly. Yeah. This is a situation that was kind of interesting, a concept that I'm considering right now because I'm about to lose my cat. And anybody that's a pet owner knows that when those days come, you kind of do whatever you can. And this lady actually went through the process and cloned her cat. And the clone of the cat looks very much the same. Not absolutely identical, but the fur color and all of that kind of thing, markings and all that stuff is pretty close. But the personality is a little bit different. Now, of course, the clone <laughs> does not clone the memories that no. would have been in the original no. pet. You know, and uh, the, for those that are and have a belief in the spiritual side of things, there can be an argument made that this goes far beyond just the physical body, too. Whatever one's belief may be, at the end of the day, you really wouldn't get the same pet. (laughs) Well, it's like what Yoda said when he told the clones to take off their helmets. He said, you may all look the same, but you all are different in the Force. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and there definitely is that kind of an idea here. But as far as the actual physical process, it was successful. The clone kitty is healthy. It does exist, and it's very much a part of her life. So, you know, I don't know if we're going to see more of this type of thing happening, but it's definitely an option now if you have the money to do it. Tesla to stop including wall chargers. With your Tesla vehicles, you got a wall charger, which is a device that you, as it says, would plug into the wall. The difference here being is that it plugs into a standard outlet instead of having this special one that the car actually charges from. Uh-huh. And you can get about two to three miles back on your battery per hour that's it's plugged in. This is something that you're still able to buy. They're lowering the cost of the car a little bit since it doesn't have it. I get the impression that not a lot of people are actually using this. For us, it seems to be a movement in the direction of not including chargers with things anymore. And uh, from an environmental perspective, if you already have a charger that's standard, you don't need 15 more and have the drawer full of them. Now, I think that's a little different. Most of us aren't going to buy 15 Teslas all at once and have those extra charges <laughs> laying around, but no. you know, such that it is. But yeah, going forward, these type of things, these perks do seem to be co- coming off. If you remember back a couple of years ago, they stopped including free access to the charging network that the original Teslas had where you could charge up for free. So another check in the direction. I guess that's part of mainstreaming. Warner Brothers Discovery to shut down CNN Plus streaming service. Yeah, so this was online for six weeks. <laughs> and I have yet to find anybody that's actually heard of it. So CNN yeah, I, this is the first for me. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, they, it charged, I think it was $4 a month, three ninety nine or something was the idea. 
and they had the CNN news content, and then you could also access some stuff that was specifically made for the streaming service. We're going to get into this a little bit later in the show, but it would seem that the market might be becoming just a touch oversaturated. Hmm. Elon Musk pledges to authenticate all humans as he buys Twitter for $44 billion. Kill all humans. Oh, authenticate all humans. Okay, maybe that's yes. better. Uh, kill all humans is a totally different thing going on. There. Yeah, so, that's better. <laughs> this is a very, very interesting topic. Uh, Elon Musk, as the headline says, is taking over Twitter. He has made a bid. He has gotten the funding for it, and the board has approved it. And they're at a point right now that if either one of side was to back out, it would cost them $1 billion with a B dollars as a backout fee. I talked about earnest money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, this is an interesting idea. Social media, in many ways, in general, is kind of waning in popularity. And we're seeing that across the board. Facebook, their stock crashed a while back when they posted for the first time, not gaining users. And uh, we're seeing this, you know, kind of from all directions. I, I don't know if it's something that where it's really just gotten to a point where people are sick of it, or if it's because of all the controversy or combination of these things. But I know that at the end of the day, this will create a shakeup. And usually that's good as far as the changes that might be made. You know, that's always a matter of opinion. Now, Elon Musk is a champion of free speech. So that's kind of coming into this. But on the other side of it, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of the idea of paid things. Mm -hmm. uh, that you would subscribe to. I don't see what you can do now being reduced, but I definitely think that um, what it is is going to change. And in a way, it kind of has to, to keep up with things and keep relevance. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Sony is looking into ad-supported games now. So yeah. what does that mean? You're going to get a commercial in the middle of your game, or are you going to have like a Target store where your characters are running past? Um, Bill, why don't you feel that? Both. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Jeez. Great. I, I can deal with the character running past the Target store, but to be broken up in the middle of the game with a commercial like, hey, do you need, you know, something or other? Yeah, I, that would kind of ruin the experience, wouldn't it? It's, yeah. And what it is, is basically, I think it was Microsoft was doing some of this, this idea that there would be this process where they could put into games and the engines and coding and such that companies could advertise almost uh, live in a way to um, let me uh, let's think about like cyberpunk 2077. The idea would be you're walking past a billboard or something and where that billboard would normally be coded in the game as part of the uh, world's. The idea would be that suddenly you're walking past a billboard that has been paid for by a company that exists now and yeah. is showing their content, their advertising, that kind of thing is some of the idea. Other parts of it is going to be like your mobile games where, you know, you can't skip the ads. Yeah, that's getting old. Honestly, this is just as BS as trying to do cryptocurrency or NFT gaming stuff. And I feel like it's just a bunch of idiots that are running the game industry at the AAA level that really have lost touch with who gamers are and what it means. It's literally been stated by some game companies that the money is more important than the gamers or the entertainment. So I've really lost a lot of faith in them. 
So, like, what's the point of playing a game? It's, it makes yeah. it no longer fun. Yeah. It's like watching YouTube now. It, it's, you know, you watch it for the ads and hope you get a little content between it. That's about right. I, you know, I don't know if I'd have a problem so much with the idea of an ad on a billboard and cyberpunk, but it's the other part of it where you have these commercials and you can't skip them. I've actually more or less quit playing the tablet games now because one of the latest things on that is it's not just a commercial, but you have to push it along so it'll play 10 seconds and then you have to click next. Uh-huh. And I, I just, I flat out won't do that. I, I will not do that. I will not waste my time. Mm. And I don't mind these companies making money, the free-to-play, that's their platform. We've talked about it in the past. But when it gets to a point where it's flat out annoying and takes mm-hmm. away from the, you know... The enjoyment. That's yeah. why it's a game. Yeah. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> so that's what's going on, along with our opinion. Right, yes. <laughs> okay. That- I mean, if I was, when I was half awake, like on YouTube, uh, according to one moment, uh, crypto and uh, another, uh, what was it? Perfume were the cause of the Second World War. So I don't know. But, oh, you know, it's well. Bad, bad, bad timing on their commercials. So sweet. <laughs> <laughs> the Large Hadron Collider has restarted. Yep. We are hitting run three for anybody Yay! that's a physicist and familiar with that. They'll know what that means. It's the third basic rework. And this time it can hit 13.6 trillion electron volts. Okay, that's a lot for anybody that doesn't. That know. is a lot. Um, yeah. We're going to be sending some records out there. Restarted on the 22nd of April, so last week. And it's kind of cool to see this up and running. And, yeah, you know, just to kind of put a footnote and a tangent on this, one of the funniest articles I ever saw on The Onion, which is a satirical publication, was that uh, they'd finished all their experiments and didn't know what to do, so the scientists were throwing leaves and stones and stuff into the collider just to see what would happen. Nice. Now, there's a lot of reasons that wouldn't be possible, but I know the team over there got a good, you know, laugh and giggle out of that. <laughs> no, but as far as the world of physics goes, this has been a testing lab that has been really something to have out there. There's been a lot done with it, the Higgs boson, which we've talked about in the past and other things. And this is just another step in the right direction. Stay tuned. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We have a very interesting television show that's unique in a lot of ways that's come out. It's a series on Amazon Prime. And Bill, I'm going to invite you and throw this over to you because, for one thing, you know how to say the name of the show correctly. Yeah, we're talking about The Legend of Vox Machina, which is an animated series based on the first campaign of the, well, almost commonly known Critical Role uh, series, which started on Twitch and YouTube, led by... And run by a bunch of voice actors, such as uh, the Dungeon Master Matthew Mercer, his wife Marisha Ray, uh, notable people like Sam Regal, Travis Willingham, Laura Bailey, Liam O'Brien, Taliesin Jaffe, and, you know, a lot of other actors who have uh, taken part. uh, Vin Diesel at one point played a game with them. Basically what it is, is it's... uh, bunch of people got or a bunch of them got together started recording their um and live streaming their D game it became very popular um i started watching it back when it was like episode four or five of the first campaign um, yeah, and that would have been a number of years ago wouldn't it 
I was in college still. So yeah, that was like 2012. <laughs> yeah, I remember you talking about that since ever. Yeah, and that sounds so. about right. But I know in our, in our first season in 2013, we talked about this a little bit. And uh, it, it was just started. So yeah, about 10 years sounds right now. The series that's on, it's on Amazon Prime, and the series mm-hmm. is one thing that I thought was unique about it is my understanding is it was done through some kind of a crowdfunding thing. Jerry? It was Kickstarted. Yeah, okay. it was Kickstarted program. Um, they wanted seven hundred and fifty thousand so they could do uh, like a special episode, and unfortunately, that didn't work out so hot because they had eighty eight thousand eight hundred eighty seven backers give them eleven <laughs> eleven million oh, three hundred eighty five thousand four hundred forty nine dollars. <laughs> And and if I understand, one of uh, our friends actually contributed to that. Yeah, yes. Bill. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, our other producer did. Yeah, but, I, I still uh, think I still think that's amazing. They just, they got just, a lot more. Just to point this out, that was the fastest and most uh, funded Kickstarter in history. I believe. Oh, really? No, that's, <laughs> really? That's inter- that and, doesn't surprise me, but that is an interesting note. And as you know, there was that leak of the Twitch um, payouts. Right. Yeah, Critical Role was the top paid out uh, show. Right. Okay. That's kind of cool. That doesn't hmm. shock me either, although at the end no. of the day, I have always been of the idea if you produce good content, you should absolutely get paid for it. So, it, you know, it sounds exactly. like that's something that would make sense. Now, I've even watched most of the series i haven't completely gotten through the whole thing yet but uh and and not to give away the whole plot line here we don't need to do that but i'm through the first part of their campaign and you know i've always thought dragons were bipolar and this just kind of reinforces that but uh watch out you might make enemies (laughs) but at the end of the day uh, yeah uh, at the end of the day it was interesting to me to see that this is something that was crowdsourced crowdfunded uh kickstarter was the one that as you say they did it but I turned it on and I was recovering from my surgery last week. It was something to do. And it was really well done. I mean, it's produced, mm-hmm. in my opinion, as professionally as any big budget, although that much money would be big budget thing out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing it did is it lit up the Atmos and surround sound and the radiant lighting all works with it and all of that kind of <laughs> stuff. So, you know, at that point, it's not as important what the story is. Just you've got cool visual effects, not really. But now uh, I like I like the story. I like the acting, and I liked the artwork. So I was just like yeah. completely enthralled. And we um, binge watched it because oh, it yeah. was so good. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a thing. I, Bill, what did you think of it? Are you enjoying it, or have you seen the whole the whole thing yet? Yeah, we watched it when it was uh, premiered. Okay. So we watched it like the day it came out, each episode. Um, you know, they kept very truthful to what the spirit of that part of their campaign was. Um, they decided to do what was called the Briarwood arc. And um, I mean, that is a thing, too, to remember. You know, you guys are talking about the production value. Ta- is, is my understanding, Taliesin Jaffe is one of the very first people who started pioneering, like, having anime dubbed in right. America. Right. And these are That's professional cool. voice actors for video games and cartoons and anime. You know, some of them have literally hundreds of shows, not just, I'm not, I'm not being hours, I mean shows under their IMDb, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so when they, you know, got the funding for this, it was like, okay, let's bring in the best. And they did. <laughs> 
No, it looks like it. Yeah. yeah. It really did. Yeah, no question yeah. about the talent. But you, you we've all seen it. You can have great talent. And if someone's new to the production game, it may or may not work. And then you're dealing with an animated series on top of that. They really pulled it off. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. like Gretchen, like you say, it's it's very beautiful artwork and all that kind of thing to to watch and just sit. Uh, the one thing is, is just be prepared, especially if you have younger kids, that it is a uh, definitely it's body body. It's very body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a bit of gore. Yeah, yeah and and there are adult, adult contents, you know, and jokes. So it's a grown up. Yeah, cursing it's a and all the rest of it. So you know, basically a day in high school. But the thing of it is, mm -hmm. is that. Uh, you know, just be prepared for that. But outside of that, I, I, I don't know. Personally, I enjoy it. I've been enjoying it. I recommend it. I will watch the rest of it. Uh, and it sounds like everybody else here has too. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, the other question that I would ask about something like this is, Jeremy, you've had a little bit of an animation experience. Mm -hmm. What would it take to actually – this is a big question, but just get a 10,000-foot level. This would be involved to put something together like this. I mean, it's oh, not something you do in your basement. Absolutely. It'd be seriously involved a professional production company uh, with computer animation and rendering, uh, you know, getting all the all the lip syncing done correctly, all the actions done correctly, not having weird artifacts in your in your art. But I mean, you know, the production company uh, has done a lot of other uh, high end cartoons, too. So it's not like they're just like first out of the gate. Oh, this is going to be the, the weirdest thing we've ever done. So. Well, it was and then there's awesome. all the storyboarding probably mm -hmm. that had to be done and character design and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah you, so they you get they would have plotted they would have plotted every episode right out to the whole thing and made it perfect. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And, and we have about a minute left here, so Gretchen, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that because you're a writer, you're a professional writer. What goes into all of that? I mean, you, you putting a script together. Because the animation's part of it, a big part of it, but you still also, like you say, have to have the story. You'd have to start with the story, so, so you know, in order to know what kind of artwork and settings to have. Right. Now, this particular series is based on a game, so mm -hmm. you're able to pull a little bit of that. Would you still storyboard the whole thing out and build it from that? I would. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that, you know, because you want camera angles, even though it's a cartoon, you do have to think about camera angles and things like that and which which moments of the the uh recording that everybody has listened to would be the ones you want to get you know get this specific moment and this specific moment and this specific moment you, you'd have to storyboard and write it all out so you got everything perfect right and then on top of that audio and uh, music and all the rest of that kind of thing so yeah mm -hmm. it's uh you know these things are definitely involved well great series recommend it amazon prime vox mechana this is user-friendly 2.0 we'll be back after the break Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Our Tech Wednesday this week focuses on a topic that there's been a lot of questions coming in about, and that has to do with robotics, and specifically this whole idea called Tesla Robotics. Now, I haven't been able to find it under that name, although it's been referred to that several times, but what they're actually referring to and what everybody's actually asking about is a thing called the Optimus Robot. Hmm, like Optimus Prime? Well, that was the first thing I thought of, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's interesting. Humanoid robots are here. We're starting to see this all over the place. We've talked about it. Amazon has an interesting design for Alexa. 
uh, is not a stand-up full-on humanoid robot, but certainly has a lot of those things more like a droid, I would think, might be the right comparison. Like a C-3PO? Like a, like a C-3PO type thing. But this one is definitely something that would be a humanoid form. Oh. Powered by AI. And according to Elon Musk, it could potentially become bigger than Tesla. As far wow. as income and all that kind of thing is, is concerned. Okay. Now, it's interesting because Mr. Musk was someone that did not have a terribly positive idea of AI not so long ago. Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. It seems like that attitude may have changed a little bit recently. And, you know, maybe he's had some life experiences that have, have changed his approach. And this certainly would be a product coming out of it. So the specs of this thing is it would be 5 feet 8 inches tall, have a carry capacity of 45 pounds, which, you know, is decent, although I do know in robotics you can get much higher than that, but it's a start. The weight of the unit would be 125 pounds. So it's like a person. Yeah, like a person. Deadlift of 150 pounds, a speed of 5 miles per hour, and an arm extend length uh, 10 pounds. So one thing, or lift rather, is 10 pounds. So one thing on robotics, whether it's an exoskeleton or an actual humanoid robot like this, is your lift limit is very much reduced if you extend your arms. Mm -hmm. And this is something across the board. So if you have an exoskeleton that's capable of lifting 500 pounds at max load, if you extend your arms, you're down to like 50. So that's nothing terribly unusual to see a reduction on that standpoint of things. Well, wouldn't that be like leverage or balance? You know, when you stick your arm out, you know, it changes your center of gravity. Center of gravity. And also just simply the weight that you can carry is now distributed in your arms instead of completely in your body. And I think that's a big part of it, too. Yeah. So, you know, this is an interesting thing. Now, it does not have a human face. The face is actually a screen (laughs) that uh, can display information, do some other things like that. I haven't been able to find out if it's a touch screen or not. There is some information that it might be. But they are also talking about the idea of doing a uh, 2D effect on that, which could be kind of interesting. A flat drawing of a person? I don't know if it would be quite to that extent or something completely different, but it might be more Uh, than a one-dimensional display. I think that's where they're going with that, and a lot of that's mm, a prototype right now. Major joints like the knees, elbows, and fingers are made up of 40 electromechanical actuators, again, a lot like an exoskeleton. And the sitting will be about the same height as your average adult. Okay. So it's like um, a like friend, a-, a butler, a nurse. Yeah. I, you know, what, what's the purpose of, of um, the, um, the new robot? Well, this is an interesting thing because a lot of this technology I've looked at, it's almost like they've invented the technology and then kind of circled back around with a use of <laughs> purpose. You know, <laughs> in the case of this type of a machine, and it is a machine, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're dealing with things where it can, on a broader scale, do dangerous, repetitive, boring tasks, that kind of stuff. Uh, if you have one around the house, I guess you could program it to be like your, what is it, C-3PO type scenario. Uh-huh. Oh, good. Or, or it could be like a nurse for um, seniors. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot of different things that this kind of technology could be used for. And I think we're just kind of at the edge of learning what all of that can be. Yeah. I mean, we have household robots for vacuuming and cleaning and whatnot. I mean, something that could help you with with reminders or help you carry something or, you know, mm-hmm. just basically be a companion. Would be yeah. Cool. Or, or help you up if you fell down or help you in and out of the tub or something. 
you know, uh, maybe like a quality of life companion. Yeah, I mean, I could see a lot of different directions for this. And one unique thing about this is that the technology is out there. So it'll use Tesla's existing full self-driving computer, several cameras, and a neural net to perceive and respond to the world around it. So it actually will be able to interact with the environment. And they've done a lot of development on that technology, again, as this is for the cars right now, the Tesla cars. So I think being able to apply this in a real-world scenario is going to be really kind of interesting. So no idea on the price yet. I've heard everything from $1,800 to ten grand. So you know, whatever that may mean, I guess we'll find out when it comes out. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. You know, Optimus Prime, not really Optimus Prime, but what we were just talking about with Optimus kind of leads us into a question that's been asked, and that has to do with the changes in technology work. And we are definitely seeing robotics augment a lot of things. But as we are coming out of the pandemic, it's going to be interesting to see what direction, if any, we go to with going back to hybrid or on-site work. Now, for a lot of people that were in industries where you had to be there, this didn't represent a lot of change, but a lot of other industries saw remote work becoming very much a norm temporarily during the pandemic, but something that a lot of people that have been involved in that, myself included, have really come to like. And a big part of this is is you don't have a commute, it costs less, you can be at home, so you're around pets, family, all that kind of thing. And it does seem like in a lot of cases, productivity is up. In some cases, not because you don't have the supervision. You do lose some of the ability to collaborate with other coworkers and things. It isn't the same as in person. So there's pluses and minuses to this. And the question that's been asked about this is, do we think, in our opinion, that everybody's going to have to return to the office? Do we think it's going to remain remote? Do we think it's going to be hybrid? I don't know. What's your opinion on this, Bill? You work in the tech industry. What do you think we're going to end up here? Well, you know, it is this kind of conflict where... I think that we shouldn't necessarily return to the office for a lot of jobs and things. However, what I've noticed, you know, coming across articles and stuff is that a lot of businesses and managers and stuff are realizing that they're kind of useless. So they're cranking down on this. Oh, you need to come back. And it's this control mentality. What I see mostly. Hmm. So, even though, you know, the way we work and stuff should change, needs to change, and has changed, the mentality that has been going on for the past two centuries, three centuries, has maintained this iron-fisted grip on this idea of what work is. <laughs> right, right. Now, I, I think that makes sense. Now, Jeremy, you work in a position that you have to be on site to do your job. Yeah, there is absolutely no way to do my job remotely because I have to go to the store, to the thing, find find what somebody has ordered, and make sure that they can get it. So yeah, I can't do that remotely. Now your company is a national chain. Have you noticed anybody working remotely, or is that even possible? Um, it might be in some of the back office stuff, you know, accounting and and uh, you know stuff that you need to order, like you know being not physically present to do those things is possible. But the people I work with, I have to see every day. 
Yeah, I see that. And that totally <laughs> makes sense. Now, Gretchen, I'm going to ask you this too. You write, so you work remotely. Yeah, I work remotely, though I think I would probably benefit from a situation where I work remotely and then like once a week or a couple of times a month, it would be really nice to get together in person with the other creative people and see them and interact with them. That would be amazing. And see, I think I'm right there with you that I, I, I see us coming back to a hybrid situation. Although I do agree with Bill, and I've seen that, that the managers don't know how to manage remotely, so they bring them back just because that's what they're comfortable with, <laughs> Yeah, and, which is not a good reason to make a decision, in my opinion. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think it's going to depend on the job, of course, but it's also probably going to be some kind of a hybrid thing at the end of the day for a lot. All right, another listener question that came in is on streaming media services. Netflix posted their update, and for the first time in a long time, lost subscribers, caused their stock to tank. And a lot of people are concerned about the idea that this streaming media market might be oversaturated. Duh. Mm-hmm. Now, I know I look at this from a standpoint that when we talk about streaming, there's a lot of different options, a lot of different services out there to do that. And it seems like it is a little bit overwhelming. The logistics statistics on it say that the average person can handle three to four services. Mm-hmm. And that's what they are good to do. But we have many, many more. And Netflix is the most expensive one out there that's not like a cable TV replacement, but is still streaming media. And they're now talking about it, adding commercials and stuff and cracking down on the password sharing that they've allowed for since their inception, basically. See, I think cracking down on the password sharing might break the back of the camel Mm -hmm. because um, I think there's not enough reason to spend that much for Netflix and you don't sit there and watch it constantly. So if you were to share it amongst your family, um, you know, it makes more sense than you can, then you can share the, the cost because you're not watching it constantly. And so I think they're going to lose a lot of people when they finally decide to do that. And, you know, there, there are some services that are stricter than others, on it, and there's others that are just simply not taking off. And we're starting to see consolidation, too. One of the bigger ones that's been in the media lately is Discovery and Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, with the new Warner Discovery network that's being formed from the merger. We've talked about that in the past, but they are going down a road of combining the streaming apps into one, so you can access all the content from one login, and that'll make one less. But some of the other ones, an interesting case study on this is they launched a streaming media app called CNN Plus about a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, about six weeks ago now, and uh, they've already shut it down. It just it didn't work. It was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, more news. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's the, whole, that's the whole thing, and I think that might have been a little bit too specific, you know, for people to subscribe to, but, you know, the bottom line at the end of the day is that... Streaming media is an interesting thing. It has definitely made a lot of changes and given us a lot more ability to access things. The media companies seem to try to restrict that to some extent by, well, if you want to watch this franchise, you must watch it on our system and subscribe. But at the end of the day, it's usually less. And then the other side of that coin is the cable TV replacements that carry your networks, like your History Channel and and Discovery and whatnot, where it's a channel and things are on at a time. And those can be quite expensive. I know uh, Hulu, which I used for a while. Oh, Hulu is way too expensive. Yeah, it's over like $70. $70. Yeah. Yeah. You get, just yeah. to get the local channels. And, yeah. it's, 
and um, that's a month. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So you're now approaching the cost of standard cable TV and kind of exactly. undoing what you yeah. what you could have done. And there's others. Now, I use one called Philo. They don't have the local channels or, or the sporting stuff, but they run 20, 25 a month. It's 25 now. So, you know, there's some choice out there. All right. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Great show this week, as always. I, I don't know. The, the D&D cartoon, I, I'm enjoying it. So uh, let us know what you think of it, because it's something that's kind of cool and kind of different, and we'd love to talk about it some more. We've got a cool upcoming event coming up that we're actually going to go to. At least we're making the attempt. Yes. Website. Now, we did get back to Emerald City, so we have done one since the pandemic, but uh, and, uh, we've been talking about this one for a while. For a while. Yes. We've been trying to get here for two years, and we're going to get here this year, even if we have to beam in. And that is the UFO Festival in McMinnville, Oregon. It's going to be held May 13th to 14th, so coming up here in a couple of weeks. It's $40 to get a ticket to get in, and it's held in downtown McMinnville. Now, we haven't been to this one, but we do know a little bit about it from what we've been told. And we don't have time to get really in the depth on it, but the McMinnville area of Oregon, there is a whole story about a UFO that came here a while back, which is kind of the underlying idea of where this festival came from. But Gretchen, I know you've looked into a little bit of the specifics of what they're doing. Okay, so like what they're going to have an alien costume ball, they're going to have speakers and panels that you can attend, music, there's an alien pet costume contest, uh, a UFO festival parade, um, there's like stuff for kids. And um, there's an alien costume contest, which I, I I hear somebody is all excited about that. And um, so there's vendors, you know, the normal fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's going to be a, a, a 5K run, which I'm wondering, are we running from the aliens? Uh, I guess it depends on the aliens. Yeah, <laughs> or to them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, but, uh, a lot more of the details of this are on their website, ufofest.com. And this is something I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll definitely get a lot of pictures and put some information out there as we knew, know more about it. But I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of this I know is held outside. McMinnville is, if you haven't been there, is a beautiful old town. It's got a very walkable downtown area with a lot of little mm -hmm. shops and it's tree lined and all of that. It's cool. Yes. Yeah. And the, uh, the company McMinnimans that runs a lot of very unique pubs around the area uh, owns and operates a thing there called McMinnimans Hotel Oregon. And that's kind of the center, from what I understand. Uh, a lot of good food and that type of thing there. You can book a room, although they're long since booked out for this event. But nevertheless, it is a lot of fun, and it's something that is very, very different. And something that I don't know about you, but I am very much looking forward to doing. I'm, I'm happy that we're starting to get into actually being able to do events again. And, and Fauci, as we were recording this week, has announced that we are officially out of the pandemic. So, you know, hopefully that will hold true. <laughs> yeah. You know, as long as it does and as long as it's safe to do stuff, I don't know. I think a lot of people feel the same way. It's time to get back out there and being able to be a part of things. Until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved.
The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the user-friendly media group, Inc., or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by weirtechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.